Hey, Alex. Hey, Patrick. Another week has come to an end. It's been, you know, I'm so tired from that week we just spent in Germany. Yeah, I know. It's really crazy how we were all able to fly there and cover the, the Gamescom conference and then get back here in time to, to do this show. It was pretty impressive. It's I really think. just the dedication we show our audience. Uh, I hope I hope they appreciate the little things that we do for them. They should, damn it. They should be very happy <laughs> that we are able to handle this kind of travel with so such so, so poise, I have think. You, have you ever been to Gamescom? Uh, yeah, I've been a couple of times. Uh, I did the last Leipzig one, and then I did, I don't know if it was the, yeah, it might have been the first Cologne one, so I haven't been back since then, but uh, I did those two. I've only been, I only went to the Leipzig one. That was the old one, right? Yeah, it was, It was, yeah, it Leipzig... was weird because it felt like you went to a fake German town. Like, I know I was yeah. in Germany, but everything about Leipzig is, it's, so it's a, it's a tiny basically a convention town in right. the middle of nowhere like but to get there you have to go through fields and it's it truly is in the middle of nowhere and then I, be, because of that it it felt like this fake tri- like it just felt like i was going to the renaissance fair and like ah they did this pop-up german town so let's go well, get some kolsch yeah, it, it's it, the, the the term I always use is the German equivalent of going to Columbus, Ohio. Like you would never <laughs> oh, ever go there. Oh, sick burn, Leipzig. You would never ever go there unless it was for a convention or something very specific. It's not a town that you would ever go out of your way to go to, but it is a place that houses these sort of like you know group gathering kind of things. Because oh God, someone please come to our town. We are we have all these. Look at these giant concrete Eastern Bloc buildings that are left over from the Cold War and. That's about all we have. Sorry. And, and it's and it's it's an interesting show because it has so there are some shows like for example, uh Tokyo Game Show has uh a business day and then consumer days. So there yeah. are separate days so that kind of like the the press can get in and and do their thing. Uh then there are things like E3 that have, you know, press hours. So there is some sort of segregation based on sort of who you are and why you're there, what kind of business you need, need to get done. Whereas, like, Gamescom has, like, an actual business section. Like, it is split into two shows, essentially. Right. And so you'll see, like, people like John Drake and others on, on Twitter talking about, like, oh, thank God I'm not in the consumer section because that's where the madness is. That's where the, you know, packs on steroids is, is happening right. as opposed to the business area where traditionally that's kind of where, you know, if we, if we were going to Gamescom, that's where we probably spend most of our time that's where like the private demos are happening that's where the business meetings are happening so i think it's kind of interesting that they actually split it in that way i mean e3 has you know meeting rooms and, and sort of a thing but gamescom like specific, specifically delineates between the two of those yeah and uh, i don't remember if it was always that way or not uh i do remember at least the leipzig year having to do, I, mean, I granted when i was there i was working the show floor like i was working on harmonics so like i would there were a lot of i had to deal with a lot of people there were a lot of people uh the first year i was off in some back room somewhere with ea because they didn't want to actually spend any money or have us you know really doing it so we were in this tiny little room in the back of the ea booth me and like three other harmonics people uh, and they would just kind of usher press people in and we were totally away from everything. The other year was the Beatles thing. We had a giant stage on the floor and there were just like tons and tons of people like kind of swarming us and complaining about, I do not have more metal songs. There's the metal. <laughs> I want to play more Metallica. Or like Metallica covers of Beatles songs. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. 
Gamescom's a weird show. It's always been a weird show, and I, I, I would like to go back someday, but I don't know if I'm quite ready for it yet. Uh, yeah, it's it's just, it, it's truly tough, because sort of the way it falls is just before PAX, and it's, you know, we don't have, we have a choice to not go, so we don't go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, you know, it's I nice mean, it's, to have that choice. It, it is, it is. Like, if I went, I'd have fun, we'd get good stuff out of it. But if I don't have to go, if I can just enjoy my August a little bit more, I, I'm not. I'm not. You're not going to see me squeal too hard that I that I don't have to to go to to Gamescom. Um, plus, if I had to choose a show that I have to go to, like that's not E3, but is a big trade show, I'd always I'd always pick TGS over 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 Gamescom. But that's just certainly me. certainly. Um, so I don't know. We've there are a bunch of the big news kind of has already been covered. The, the other guys did a live stream uh, earlier this week uh, over Sony's press conference. Um, so we kind of already have gone over that stuff. I thought it was interesting and, and strange that that Microsoft had a presentation and a press event, ostensibly, but did not live stream it, but then put up the video later uh, on their channel on, on YouTube. Uh, and you could sort of g- get a sense of why they didn't because it's it's much smaller spectacle. It's it's uh, Phil Harrison and uh, 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 Phil Spencer uh, on stage uh, walking through the stuff, and it's a small group. So you know, compared to what Sony was doing, obviously it's it, it looks a little fl- not flimsy, but they're going for a different scale. But man, I, you know, without necessarily talking about the announcement Sony and Microsoft went over, just in presentation alone, like. Sony came away with just, I guess, another complete home run in terms of who came to the show, totally owned the show, and then moves on from this with momentum. Because even though Microsoft had some interesting announcements and they they announced the uh, you know the independent publishing at Xbox, uh, you know whether you want to call it a policy reversal or you want to call it introducing a new uh, program, you know. Microsoft introduced a program that will hopefully introduce games to their platform. Sony got on stage and announced a bunch of games. And they showed games that are coming and games that will be playable in the next 12 months. And while Microsoft's policies uh, are encouraging, at the end of the day, you know, it, what really matters is that, that Sony showed up with a bunch of games. I mean, and yeah, to be fair, you know, it was definitely a lot more games from, like, the indie set, which is something that they, they pushed a lot at E3, um, and I'm certainly not complaining about the, the slate of games that they put in there, like the new Binding of Isaac, uh, Hotline Miami 2, all that kind of stuff, and, like, those are all those are all games I am very much looking forward to. The thing I find interesting is that they, I don't know if it's for lack of, of available stuff, or if it's just that, you know, this is just kind of the direction they're going in right now. It does feel like Microsoft has a much greater concentration on sort of like the bigger, more high budget stuff in terms of like what they're really pushing right now. Whereas Sony is just like all about this inc- like incredible slate of indie games. Believe me, again, I'm not trying to like you know downgrade that stuff at all. It's just it's a it's an interesting split between the two, and I'm not really you know I didn't necessarily ex- I expected this to be the time when Sony was like okay, and by the way, here's a few more of like the big budget things to go with all these great indie things that we showed you at E3. And I was like, no, no, we have a lot more of that stuff. Also, we're dropping the price on the Vita, November fifteenth. Come on, get at us. Let's do it. And, and, and I, I, I just—I was surprised by that. Yeah, and I, and I think that's going to be where the rubber hits the road on this stuff in in the fall. Where I think I'm with you. I'm, you know, as a, as a, a game player, you know, and especially as someone that really 
you know, champions and loves, you know, independent games and smaller, you know, personal uh, experiences. You know, Sony is, is speaking my language. You know, I, you know, all aboard the Sony train in terms of uh, what they want to convey on their platform, the games they want to talk about. But, but in this increasingly fragmented market, is that necessarily the bet to be making when you want to sell consoles? You know, Journey right. is one of my favorite games of all time. Does Journey move consoles? No. At least I don't. I, I doubt it. You know, I, I don't have data in front of me. But that's the sort of, you know, critical buzz game that makes you glad you own a PS3. But I don't know if that's necessarily one that makes you go out and buy one, especially if you're Joe Schmo. And, you know, the, what you consider a gamer, you know, is, you know, like I said, increasingly fragmented. It's hard to nail down exactly what the audience even is anymore. But I don't necessarily think Microsoft has a bad, you know, obviously start off the wrong foot, bad policies, let's put all that aside. Their big bet on AAA and and getting more of those games on their platform, pushing those, having more of those exclusive to the Xbox One, you know, I don't know if that's a bad, necessarily a bad idea, um, especially when you see the sort of fervor that Titanfall is generating. You know, it's not a launch game, but it's, it's you know, launch window, spring, if they, if they right. manage to hit that. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Sony is certainly winning hearts and minds right now, but do hearts and wines, uh, hearts and wines, they, eh. could, they could send me wine. Uh, yeah. Hearts and minds, I don't know. Does that sell consoles in the fall? Does that sell consoles 12 months from now? I don't know. You know, and that's what I think is going to be really interesting to see what happens because at this point, they've both committed to their sort of philosophies, and I, now, you know, sales numbers is where that's going to kind of see uh, who made the right bets. Well, and the, the the other thing is, so we now know what the launch lineups are for both the Xbox One and the the, the PS4, which, I mean, uh, some of these are, are not necessarily at launch, but they are, you know, before the end of the year games. But you look at, like, what's actually exclusive between the, the two platforms. There's, it's like Sony has Knack, they have Drive Club, they have Killzone. Uh, I, th- I think that's it as far as like the exclusive stuff. You go to to Microsoft and it's like there's Crimson Dragon, Dead Rising Three, uh, Forza, Loco Cycle, which we still don't know a whole hell of a lot about. Rise, which eh, it's but you know more. like my- there's there there is more and yeah, all, all you really need is one real standout and you know right now I put my might put my money on on Crimson Dragon. Uh, or, or something of that being like a, you know Crimson Dragon might not <laughs> move consoles, but would certainly you, not. Would you would you play a next gen Panzer Dragoon? Like I, I would. Yes, I mean yes, of course I would. But I also you know I'm the sort of idiot will, that will buy both consoles anyway. So like yeah, we're, not, that, we're not we're not Brad Shoemaker. We're not going to wait two years to to pick up our no. our launch machines. Yeah, I will I will be there day one as well. I like being there, part of the conversation. I like being yeah. there when it sucks. I, yes. I, I I understand you know like sort of Brad's stance of like. I'm going to wait till it's cheaper, and I'm going to wait, you know, especially if you've got a high-end PC, right? Like, that allows you to make that call a whole lot, a hell of a lot easier than uh, if you don't have a high-end PC because he's going to be able to play the standout games like Watch Dogs and games like that on, on, on a machine he already owns. Whereas right. I like being there on the ground floor. Like, I want to see the dirtiness. I want to see the fuck-ups. I, I, I want to be there to experience that as it happens uh, because I think that – is is important to me just for like kind of the job I do, but also I think it's just a lot of fun. 
Yeah, and uh, apparently I forgot to mention Killer Instinct. So yes, Killer Instinct's on that list too. I the thing for me, I'm noticing, and yes, Microsoft has more, but I feel like this is even more than the last generation, uh, which was pretty heavy on this stuff. There are a lot of multi-platform ports coming around this uh, mm-hmm. this 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 thing, and I, I'm and not just in like a, I like I'm not surprised by that at all, but I just I'm actually surprised at how many of them are there are this. It seems like this is going to be the fall of the the dichotomy between the current gen and the next gen ports. Like there's just going to be a whole, like a real heavy load of those in a way that I'm not just I from what I remember about that last time. Those ports were, ne- I mean, in the exception of something like a Watch Dogs, which is clearly being developed kind of for next gen and will probably be kind of scaled back a little bit. Like, when you go into, like, all these sports games and all this other stuff, there's a lot of padding in here, man. There is a lot of padding. These games are not, like, NBA Live 14, I don't know, NBA 2K14 for next gen, I don't know, like... I don't see a whole lot here that really speaks to me as as someone who actually wants to play games. Like, I'm with you. I want it to be in when it sucks, but I also feel like I'm just not seeing a whole lot here that's really getting me very excited. I don't know about you. Do you feel that way at all? Um, I am holding out hope for Dead Rising 3. I yeah. have been encouraged by... I think they made the right move in terms of how they've been marketing that game since its unveiling. Uh, when that first trailer they showed was very much... Uh, sort of a shot across the bow at at the mainstream. Like, man, look right. at all these zombies. We're telling a dark, gritty story. Like, come check out our zombie game. And there was an immediate backlash of, hey, guys, well, then go make a game that isn't Dead Rising. That's fine. Go make your zombie game. But Dead Rising, you know, to a lot of people is is a much goofier game set within sort of this dark context. And that's that's part of the reason why it's so much fun is because of the contrast between those two tones. And since then, they've done... I think a really good job of just showing, like, this game's going to be goofy. It may have a darker, even darker tone than what you're used to in the past. But, you know, there's going to be lightsabers, and you're going to be able to put on a knight costume. And so I ho- I'm, I'm hopeful about where that game <clears throat> is going. And it's the kind of game that, because so much of the mechanics are already, already established, that they're just doing pure iteration and for a launch game, might be able to, to skate by on something that's familiar, but that becomes much more impressive just due to the scale of it. And so I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that Dead Rising uh, can maybe pull sort of a, a repeat punch uh, in terms of sort of an impact, at least, you know, early on in, in the next-gen cycle. But, yeah, I, you know, that's sort of a gamble, and a and I'm, I'm excited for it, but not, like, busting down the doors ready to play it. You know, I'm, I'm mostly just... I'm mostly interested for the experience and the interfaces and and that stuff. The games right now, you know, there's a good chance I'll play a lot of those, you know, on the PC, you know, barring any surprise announcements or sort of weird things we haven't heard about uh, that come at the last minute. But I will say to your point about a lot of cross-gen stuff, really did like what Sony announced uh, at at Gamescom in terms of what's going to happen for people that purchase uh, these cross-gen games, especially the ones that are coming out ahead of uh, the, the next-gen versions. Like, for example, uh, so they, they announced that a number of publishers are opting in to provide significant discounts to people that purchase the PS3 version if they want to upgrade to the PS4 version when that, when that launches in November. And the first company to sort of reveal exactly how it's going to work is Activision, saying if you buy Call of Duty Ghosts for 10 bucks, get the PS4 version. I mean, that's yeah. incredible. I, th- I think that, that is, that an is an, deal. A, a, a very very fair way to handle a pretty awkward situation of 
these fans want to be there on day one, to ask them to wait is is crazy, and they already have these machines. But I think $10 is a completely acceptable upgrade charge uh, for for getting access to that complete game on a new platform, especially since it seems like across the board, developers are finding ways to make sure that your stats and your characters uh, carry over. So it's not even like you're starting from square one in terms of, you know, what level you're at and your and your loadouts and things like that. I think that's all fantastic, and it's happening much smoother than I expected it to. Well, let's wait until they actually have to execute all this stuff before we talk about how smooth it is, because you never know how this, this might fall the fuck apart at any given moment. All right, let's see. Well, what do you uh, what do you got? You got anything? Any well, so yeah, on we got we talked about uh, a bunch of this Gamescom stuff. I think the the most interesting piece of news that's come out in the last day or so, uh, perhaps unsurprising, is that uh, Steve Ballmer is finally retiring from Microsoft. Uh, the man who has what, he's been CEO since like what two thousand, um, you know, been with the company in in various forms for for many many years has. Within the next 12 months, we'll be retiring from the company. Uh, I do not know exactly what this means for the greater scope of Microsoft in the sense that, you know, they've already started this kind of corporate shakeup with people like Magic leaving. Um, people blame Balmer a lot for some of the stagnation at the company, the, the way the this whole thing has, has kind of been going over the last several years. And, you know, I'm kind of curious... Does this actually matter all that much for Microsoft? Like, can they actually, like, I, obviously they can get someone else in there who maybe is, you know, a, a different mentality, but they're still going to want, you know, like, a lot of the plans and a lot of the, the things they're working on are still going to go into production, you know, regardless as to who replaces him. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what kind of impact this might actually have on the company. I mean, it's, you know, short term, you know, probably very little, you know, and any, right. guy, any person that comes in is going to be sort of steering the ship that, He's already headed in a certain direction. But certainly you can say, you know, sort of outside of Xbox, you know, Microsoft as a corporation has had some pretty uh, historical trouble uh, executing their ideas. Like they take a lot of risks if you look at the different things they've tried. You know, some of it is, you know, perhaps a little, you know, chasing the dragon, a little bit copycat. You know, you look at things like Bing and and the Surface. Uh, but they're trying things. And it's just a matter, you know, the execution has seemed to be where they're where they're struggling and, Getting it to market, you know, Windows Mobile, you know, not something I use, but anyone that does use it seems to like it quite a lot. And you've seen its design and, uh, you know, sort of spread to other uh, platforms. You know, the new iOS 7 has, has certainly taken some cues from there. So there are good ideas and things happening on Microsoft outside of the Xbox division, but it seems like a company that is definitely, you know, in need of a shakeup. Uh, but, you know, at a company that's big with that much legacy that is tied up into things like Office and Windows. So, how much can you do? You know, that's really hard for me to say. It's really hard to know. And especially when you consider a company like Microsoft could make no changes to their existing business model, and they would still make tons of money. They may not be the market leader or the innovation leader that they have been in the past, but their legacy products will carry them for a very long time. And I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see who they name and, and whether, you know, I think who they name, you know, sort of will say everything about that move in terms of whether – you know, Balmer leaves, choosing a successor that will disrupt what he has already put in place uh, and sort of just reaffirms what he's created, or he picks someone to, you know, push those things through and then also change the, the company and, and maybe realign themselves to, to get ahead of the game instead of just chasing everything that the rest of Silicon Valley has been doing for the last 10 years. 
but well, and the the one thing that that people were saying is that no matter what this ends up being, um, Microsoft is still very very much in the devices and services you know direction. No matter what, like that that is where they are headed, and whoever they end up picking will probably be someone that has some experience in those you know in those fields. So. You know, in the grander scheme of things, you know, maybe this isn't a t- you know a, a massive shift for the company. Though, as someone in the chat just pointed out, nine percent raise in Microsoft stock today. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe there is some benefit to to getting some fresh blood in there. I don't some know. Blood, there's blood in the water for Steve Ballmer, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, probably it was probably long overdue at this point. Uh, so, I, if there is a game convention, not Gamescom, mm-hmm. just a game convention. Mm-hmm. You will see a headline where someone will ask, "Yo, man, what's up with Last Guardian?" Which at this right. point, I'm tired of. A- I'm never going to ask that question again. I'm done. I am. You put me in a room with uh, Shuhei Yoshida, and I am not going to ask because at this point, I'm. It's futile. There's no reason to ask. Every answer we get is just sort of. It's still an active development. It is still an active development. I guess it is still so the an latest, active development. The latest headline is that. Uh, I guess uh, in an interview with uh, Famitsu, um, so it actually didn't come out from Gamescom, but just around the same time, um, Famitsu Ueda uh, was asked about the, the status of the project and sort of like looking back on Eco and, and Shadow of the Colossus. And he said that, you know, it's still, you know, still in development. Earnest development was his, his phrasing, but that uh, Knack and Puppeteer are taking priority uh, over in, in Japan, which, you know what, if let's let's assume Last Guardian is a... Now a PS4, uh, you know, 2014-2015 game. It makes sense that there would be other projects that are scheduled for this fall to take priority. Certainly. So I, I, th- I think the headlines have been perhaps slightly hyperbolic, given that it would make sense that these games that are coming out this year are taking priority over over something that is clearly not coming out uh, anytime soon. And yeah, I'm just I'm I'm tired of talking about it. I just I, just, I am. I until Sony and and Team Eco or whatever that studio is called now or the makeup of it wants to show me something else about that game, I'm done. I'm done with it. I just I'm yeah. looking forward as much as everyone else. Eco and Shadow the Class is some of my favorite games, but I, I I it seems futile to to sit around getting distressed over a game that at this point might as well be vaporware. And until they prove that it's not. I'm going to stop spending my time worrying about it. For for my purposes, I've been done with that game for a very long time. And it's not because, you know, I don't have any interest or anticipation for it. It's just that every piece of news, like you said, has been the same piece of news. Yes, we are still working on it. Yes, we are still working on it. And it just... I, I don't care because they haven't actually shown, like, a, a meaningfully playable game, like, ever. They have shown demos of things that looked interesting, maybe, I don't know, but in terms of, like, you know, something that people can actually put their hands on and, you know, interact with and do stuff with, we've never really seen anything of any substance out of that. And so for people, like, I understand why people are obsessed with it. It's it's a team that has done some very good work in the past. You know, Ueda has a, you know, a reputation as being something that people have a lot of fondness for. It does, like, that. those early demos, those early videos did look very impressive, but it has been so long since they have offered us even a smidgen of worthwhile information or, you know, just playable anything that why would you sit there and continue to obsess over this thing that might as well not even exist? If it comes back 
and they show a game that is, you know, somewhere in the direction of complete, and it turns out to be something kind of great, then by all means, resume your fandom. But if you're just going to sit there and you're going to latch on to this one game that will likely, I'm going to say 60% chance we ever see this thing come out in any capacity, at most then it, I, I just feel like you're, you're, you're just losing your mind for no reason. Like, there are tons of other games you could be focusing your attention on. And I say this to also to headline writers. We don't, you don't need, like, I, I know you probably get comments every single time you write that same headline, but we're done. You just, you gotta be done for a while. Like, it, get, don't pay attention to them for a little while, and maybe they'll come back with something. You know, like, don't keep asking them over and over again because they feel like they can just keep giving you the same bullshit answer over and over again and still be, you know, satisfy people. Well, it's just, I'm tired yeah, of like, it. when you when you go into these interview situations, you, you know, you're getting you know, 30 minutes, you know, an hour if you're lucky. And especially if these are translated interviews, you know, you're getting a handful of questions to be asked. And at this point, I'm done asking about The Last Guardian. I just don't, I, I don't think it's useful information to my audience. I don't care as a player anymore. So when they want to start talking about it, I will be happy to discuss it. But but until then, like they are joining the Ubisoft's daily emails about Splinter Cell, and I am just you have gone to my spam folder. Folder, I'm just done. I think that is totally reasonable. Uh, well, I don't really have any other headlines, but I did have the chance to go see a couple of different games over the last week. Oh, did you? Um, I did. Yes. Oh, you uh, saw brief- I, you saw the, the Wolf Among Us, but can you talk about that? Yeah, I can. Oh, okay. Yeah, bar goes up. I can talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, that was one of the two I saw. Uh, Telltale was in town where I guess they were debating going to Gamescom, and then they just kind of decided not to. But mm-hmm. uh, they were in town showing to some press here in New York. Uh, the first episode of Fables, uh, which they have titled The Wolf Among Us, which is uh, another comic book adaptation, uh, one I had never really read. Uh, I guess it was a Vertigo series uh, about, you know, these characters uh, known as fables, you know, just like characters from all different walks of fairy tales and whatever, kind of living together in a sort of modern secretive, you know, society where they kind of have to pass for human, you know, among the the normal society. Uh, and it's told as sort of like a gritty kind of detective uh, noir type thing. Uh, the actual comics, I think, take place in like the 2000s, but... Uh, this game takes place in the pre-Giuliani uh, New York City, you know, of the 80s. So it's oh, like really? kind of got a real run-down, kind of, kind of messed-up look to it. Uh, and you play the game as uh, the big bad wolf, uh, known as Bigby, who is sort of the sheriff of all things uh, Fable Town. And uh, there's, a, there's a whole murder mystery that takes place throughout the first one involving a kind of mysterious uh, fable woman who, you know, falls victim initially to the kind of drunken beatings of the, the woodsman. And you're kind of there to sort of regulate. And you meet a bunch of different characters throughout the thing. Like Mr. Toad is there. Uh, uh, Ichabod Crane. Uh, your te- Beauty is like the office manager of all things uh, fables. And she like works with you on a lot of stuff. Mechanically, it looks very much, you know, kind of like The Walking Dead did. You know, it's, uh, you're investigating things, you know, it's a lot of conversational, you know, choices. Uh, you know, if there is combat, it's all kind of quick time based. But, you know, actually, it actually had a much, uh, there was one particular fight scene with the, the woodsman that seemed like it had a much more fluid way of working. Like, 
you would grab him and then you would kind of like take him over to one part of the room and slam his head into something, at which point he would grab a weapon and then he would come at you and then you would have to dodge him and grab him and move him to another part of the room kind of stuff. Mm. It was a pretty good, like, like for a, an adventure game, it was a pretty well choreographed fight scene. Do um, you have a, do you have a sense of, you know, Walking Dead was a game, you know, obviously it had a fantastic story, but sort of the, the linchpin of the Walking Dead was moral choices and the sort of the story taking precedent over puzzles and sort of more traditional aspects of of an adventure game, at least how we had previously conceived of adventure games. And that stuff was at the forefront over anything else. Uh, Does it feel like those sorts of things are still happening in The Wolf Among Us? Like, is The Wolf Among Us a game that is defined by player choice in the same way that that The Walking Dead was? Because that was certainly not the case of, you know, like, the Monkey Island games they did, Sam sure. Max, you know, those are much more traditional. So do you have a sense of where they're going for with this one? Yeah, it's different in the sense that uh, Big B is very much a defined character. Like, you're not doing a Lee Everett thing where you're sort of building him on your own kind of personality, depending on what dialogue choices you make and that kind of stuff. But there are uh, distinct choices that you have to make in terms of, like, how you address people, how you deal with them, how you choose to handle certain situations, uh, and then there's one, which I, I won't get too into because it gets into the spoiler stuff they didn't want me to talk about, but there's a choice at the very end of the demo they showed where you're basically presented with two situations. You can either go notify this one character uh, about his wife being dead um, and, you know, maybe find out, like, you know, if he was involved or not, or you can go choose to help this other character who's in more immediate danger but might not necessarily be in a situation that ties to your case. You know, you kind of have to decide, like, which way you're going to go. And depending on which way you choose, the story, like, the other side of it will play out somewhat differently than if you had chosen that one as the first one. Hmm. So, there, you know, it, they are emphasizing that there is a, t- a kind of moral choice in the game. There is definitely that sort of, you know, uh, split narrative kind of thing. But it's not necessarily exactly the same way they did it in The Walking Dead. It's maybe a slightly different uh, bent on the idea. Yeah, I, I do not envy the writers and designers working on that game because I have to imagine when it was conceived, you know, there was no way to know that The Walking Dead was going to be received in the way it was. And, yeah, you know, Walking Dead was a transformational project for Telltale and for all those people involved and to its... It's one thing to have to create a season two of The Walking Dead. That's its own set of challenges and expectations that you have to meet. But having the, this next project be, you know, I mean, you watch the trailer and they're like, oh, from the creators of Game of the Year, Walking Dead, you know, they're playing into it. They are leaning into the acclaim as they should. You know, they, they earned that. But that's that sets up some, some pretty hefty expectations. And... Telltale stuff in the past has kind of quality-wise been a little erratic. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, so I'm definitely curious. You know, I'm like every, you know, I think most everyone else that I'm certainly going to give this first episode a shot. You know, I, I loved The Walking yeah. Dead. The Walking Dead is not going to start till sometime in the fall. You know, we're getting pretty close to, I imagine, where we'll start hearing about that second season. But, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, you know, are they going to have overlapping are they going to have two things going? Are they gonna, like, assumingly, if they follow the, the the timeline for they've been talking about for Walking Dead season two, that's going to start. I think in a, they, they've said fall, but I assume if they're doing fall, they're going to aim for Halloween time. They're going to aim for Walking Dead's fourth season on AMC uh, to come back, so they can kind of tie that in and ride some of that that sweet demographic wave. And mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's going to be it's, – it's interesting. I'm going to be curious to see sort of what, you know, Act 2 or Act 3 of Telltale is and, and how they handle uh, sort of being this bigger player uh, now that yeah. they have success and expectations that are far beyond just adventure gamers. Uh, well, here's here, – sorry. Here, here's what I will say is that uh, from talking to them, it sounds like their team has grown quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I would imagine that – so this is – I think scheduled to hit in October, the first episode of, 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 of fables. Hmm. Um, it sounded like they basically have two different groups working on those different games. So there will probably will be some overlap in that stuff. I will say that, you know, as someone that uh, thought back to the future was kind of interesting and like Jurassic park was kind of a disaster. This does not look like the early telltale stuff, like in terms of the design and the sort of the, the, the storytelling and the characterization and stuff, this feels much more in the ballpark of Walking Dead. You know, it's not the same exactly, and there are some key differences, uh, you know, just in terms of, of storytelling and direction and all that kind of stuff. But, like, what I saw of it looked really good. You know, it, there were bugs and glitches, but it was all, like, preview build stuff. And, like, you know, from a visual standpoint, it looked really good. From a mechanical standpoint, it seemed pretty interesting. And from a storytelling perspective, like, I was into it. You know, they showed me a solid, like, I'd say 30, 40 minutes of, of whatever was going on in that episode. And it all looked really interesting. So, I'm into it. You know, as someone who did not even care about those comics one bit before I saw any of that stuff, I was like, yeah, I would totally play this. So, well, I think that I'm was, into it. You know, I think for a lot of people that was the case with The Walking Dead as well. You know, obviously, Kirkman's work is, is critically acclaimed. But I, I think... Far more people that played The Walking Dead played it because of the response from the people that did play it than than it was, man, I'd really love to play, you know, Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead in video game form. Because yeah. you could also get survival instinct out of that. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the, um, the other game I managed to see, I actually saw this before I went to L.A., um, was NBA 2K14. Unfortunately, not the next-gen version. They were only showing the current one. Ba Patrick, I don't, are you much of an NBA fan at all? No, I mean, I... You're in Chicago, the Bulls, you well, know, so, hey! So I, so I follow the, you know, I'm, I, I get on the bandwagon <clears throat> in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Partially because I, I like football because it's 16 games. Every game means something, which means it gives you a pretty clear narrative to follow for a set number of teams. So I can follow multiple teams that have 16 games. I can, I can right. do that in my head. I have enough time to do that. Uh, basketball, like baseball, like hockey, has so many games, and I don't have the time to, to necessarily watch those. In addition to that, having been on the West Coast for the last six years, uh, when those games are on is just not – I'm not in a position to watch them. It's often in the middle of the workday or at the sort of like tail end of the workday, and I can't pay attention – but now that I'm back in Chicago, and the Bulls are, you know, a team to be rooted for, you know, it was not the case for a number of years, but, you know, Derrick Rose is coming back this fall. It's a team to pay attention to, and I think being in Chicago and then also having friends that are into it, I should be able to get dragged into being more interested than I have in the past, because I want to be. I just, I, it's, football is, is about as much as I can muster on my own, and I think with sure. other people and being in Chicago... I, I'm planning on, I mean, because Chicago's, you know, Blackhawks are good, Bulls are good, Bears are, mm -hmm. Bears are, Bears are fine. They're not terrible. Yeah. We're not the Lions, so I'll take that. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, do you think it's concerning that they're not showing the next gen version at all? Do you think that's I think weird? it's literally because they just don't have the kits to show those mm -hmm. games on right now. Um, I mean, it's concerning in the sense that 
Next-gen versions of sports games are never very good the first time around. Um, Madden, Key Point, FIFA, you know, the NBA stuff. Like, NBA 2, two whatever the, the NBA, one, NBA 2K one was that showed up on 360 at first was literally the same game as the other one, but with just, like, slightly better animations and, like, you know, everybody was shinier. Um, but it was fine. You know, and that's the thing is that it's just next gen is always sort of like the starting point. So we're kind of rebooting a lot of stuff. You know, we're throwing a lot of things in there. I'm not really that worried about it because this year's game looks fine. You know, as far as the current platforms go, it's it's definitely building off what they did last year. Uh, they're bringing back the crew mode, which is like an online kind of you know uh, multiplayer group thing, which is is so they haven't done in like four years and. Uh, this year, LeBron James is not only the cover man, but the guy who picked all the soundtrack songs. So, oh, great. You know, yeah, so if you want to listen to you know LeBron James's iPod, basically, uh, you will be able to in that game. But it, lo- it still looks really good. They've, they've fixed a lot of animation stuff that was starting to drive me crazy in that game. It still has the best sports commentary of any game ever, really. Um, and, you know, it's it's basketball. If you like basketball, it is still very, very, very good basketball from what I played. So Yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, outsider looking in, especially on the, the game side, that EA has a, a real steep hill to climb. You know, not only have they had trouble just shipping a game, but yes, they are going up against a competitor that has, you know, seems to have been at the top of their game in terms of making making these basketball titles for for a number of years now. But the ball handling. There's going to be such good ball handling in the EA game. They've <laughs> talked about it. It's it's the the ball there's going to be the ball handling will be exquisite. I mean, and and it, what it bums me out is that what you've seen happen in in basketball, which is sort of, you know, every couple of years there's kind of a you know, kind of a swing of the pendulum back and forth. At least there's some semblance of competition, at least. And it seems to help with these basketball games. And it does, you know, it just makes me wish the game that I would rather see that in is in, in football. And the fact that, you know, there is zero competition there, you know, to, oh, you know, remains distressing and a bummer. Because not to say that the, the team that works on Madden doesn't work hard, but you work differently when you are stacked against someone who's going to take dollars away from you. Most definitely. And, you know, I will have a review of this year's Madden probably sometime next week. We'll see okay. how that All right. goes. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Um, do you see Wanna anything get else? To a, uh, I was going to get to a couple of short headlines before we uh, jump into user questions. Not a whole lot of uh, other stuff going on. So. Uh, yeah. Well, well, while Alex pulls those up, if you have any questions, just at me in the chat, uh, at Patrick Klopik, and uh, I will start queuing some of those up, and we'll, we'll get to those after, uh, after we go through some of the headlines. So was uh, I forget who it was that said this, but someone at Sony was talking about how uh, basically by the, at this point by the time Gran Turismo Six gets to PS4, they might just turn it into Gran Turismo Seven. Does that make sense to you, Patrick? <laughs> uh, as a Gran Turismo expert, um, yes. Yeah, I don't. That's I don't at know. this point. Like, why Digital not? works on their own schedule, I guess. Yeah, he's I guess you know. That guy is the last designer at Sony that is basically, I, I guess, allowed to do whatever he wants. Uh, I would be genuinely curious one day to read a profile about that studio, its relationship with the Sony mothership, because it just seems like Sony used to be a company that gave a really long leash to a number of those developers and has kind of tightened that leash over the years, especially in Japan. You know, that's part of the reason that. You know, my understanding is The Last Guardian 
uh, has kind of become the way that it is uh, when they tried to rein that project in. And Gran Turismo still kind of is floating off uh, on its own. I you know, think it's bizarre that Gran Turismo is coming out on PS3, but it probably makes a lot of sense you know, in terms of wanting to sell to a, a user base that has tens of millions of units as opposed to one that's just getting off the ground. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if yeah they just they they turn that into seven because I I think it that studio doesn't Polyphony doesn't they're not a studio that half asses right uh, right and so the moment they start going down the line to upres or HD or whatever, however you call it this time around when when you're sort of taking assets and upgrading them for for a new set of hardware my guess is they're just going to want to go the whole way and and at, when they start going the whole way, you know, maybe you just start calling that the new game at that point and you release it in three years, so. Certainly. Uh, Hans Zimmer is doing the Beyond Two, uh, two Souls score. Patrick, what's uh-huh. your favorite Hans Zimmer score? Uh, he did the Batman ones, right? Yeah. Those are pretty good. Uh, the Inception soundtrack. Uh, that, yeah. That's, I don't know if I'd say all time. I'd have to go and actually look through his legacy, but sure. I guess of modern Hans Zimmer uh, the Inception soundtrack for at least a good year was like yeah. my go-to. I'm writing. I th- I need to get this fucking review done. Like, yeah. and I'm gonna write the shit out of this conclusion because this is the most epic conclusion to a mediocre review that I have ever written in my life. Uh, so I, I I guess I guess that's fine if you're just into like his major label stuff or whatever. But you know <laughs> I'm really about the Hans Zimmer deep cuts. Uh, for me, I mean I think the clear cut yeah. favorite is the Hugh Grant Julianne Moore pregnancy comedy Nine Months. He did that. Well, I guess yeah. I gotta you gotta make your bills. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta pay for the you gotta pay for your bills in between the big projects. That's funny. Yeah. Um, um and last one, Ben Affleck is Batman, motherfucker. I don't I don't even have an opinion. Do you have an opinion? I don't even care. I wish the internet would shut up. Who cares? Yeah, I didn't yeah, see. I go. haven't seen Man of Steel, so I, I, I guess I can't really comment. According to Rory, you kind of don't need to. So there, yeah. there you go. I'll, I wait, I'll, I'll wait till it's out on. You know, I'll, I'll pay six bucks to watch it on iTunes. That's that. That's that's how I'll see that movie. But uh, about Beyond, there were uh, another interesting headline that was kind of bouncing around earlier this week. Is so if it has an app for ios and android i'm gonna read and make sure i'm getting this absolutely yeah there's an app that like turns the ipad or whatever into a game controller of some kind yes here's here's the story from 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 joystick uh in multiplayer or solo it has multiplayer but let's move on from that uh beyond is playable with ios and android touchscreen devices with the beyond touch app it's a free app that allows players to control a character it's a blank slate with no buttons or on-screen sticks that players use like a touchpad. Slide one finger around the screen and the character moves. The game automatically switches to easy mode when a touchscreen controller is huge in use. Cage said the touchscreen feature is an attempt to reel in casual players or those who don't play games often. Most people are comfortable with a smartphone, though avid players will want to use the DualShock controller. I, whatever you think of David Cage, whatever you think of Beyond, that is an incredibly smart idea. And it's interesting. I don't know if it's going to work, it's certainly not going to apply to a whole swath of games, but he hits the nail on the head that there are probably game experiences that non-gamer types would be interested in having but are put off by the controller. You know, that is absolutely the case for all sorts of people I know. But those people are used to phones, they are used to tablets, they are used to all sorts of devices that are incredibly complex but have created interfaces that 
are very easy to, to interact with. So the idea that we could maybe have our cake and eat it too, which is that to, to say that rather than dumbing down games at the expense of complexity, which is what I think gets people really upset sometimes of, well, it's going to have touchscreen controls or it's a touchpad version of this game. I'd rather just have a controller. It's like, well, what if we can have both? Like, what if there are certain types of experiences, certain types of games that actually make sense with both of those and that drop into maybe a different type of interface in order to accommodate people uh, that, that want to have that experience but are afraid of rightly so, of something that has, you know, 12 to 15 buttons. There's a reason. That's intimidating. And I hope it works. I think whether or not it does work may actually be irrelevant because I think the idea behind it is probably the first time you can say second screen feature and you have actually kept my attention for more than five seconds because I think I think he's on to something there and I would like to see more games potentially explore that. Like, I think... The Walking Dead, for example, right? So I, I played that. Uh, my wife was really into it. But the idea of giving her the controller, like, that's just going to be very intimidating. Like, she could come to grips with it, but if she could have played that game with a touch interface and it was still on the big screen, like, that's not impossible for that game. I think there are I think there are a number of games that would benefit from something like that. So, I mean, do you, you think I'm crazy? Like, I, But I, I think that sounds like it could be a cool idea. No, I don't think you're crazy. I think you're 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 absolutely right that it is an idea that is absolutely worth pursuing. I don't know that I necessarily trust David Cage or that game to pull it off in a meaningful or helpful way, but I'm curious to see what they they actually do um and I'm curious to see if other people actually, you know, try this out in in the future for other games. Like you said Walking Dead is is a good example of something that might be able to pull that off. I'm only skeptical just because everything I've played of Beyond thus far has kind of left me just sort of scratching my head going, I, I don't know. Um, so I'm not necessarily convinced that a touch interface is what's going to, you know, help that game in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I will play it because I did, I did actually like Heavy Rain uh, more so for its ambitions than for what was there. Uh, and so for the same reasons, I will, I will play Beyond. Uh so is that all you got for headlines? Should we, should we move on to... That is all questions? I got right now. Let's just jump into the questions. All right, let's see. Uh, there is... Maybe I can address this here. There's a bunch of people asking me uh, what I'm going to do with uh, Amnesia, a machine for pigs, which comes out in, uh, in in a couple of weeks. Endurance run. Endurance run. Spook's endurance run. Yeah, yeah. That's... Yes. That is... The, um, I, we, I'm going to have to talk about what exactly I do with that game with, with uh, the, rest of the rest of the guys. Uh, that's kind of a private conversation we need to have. You know, we, we definitely have some pretty specific policies about what we do with uh, brand new games um, versus games that are old. Um, right. And the idea that I would just turn on that game and start playing it, uh, especially uh, to start playing it as part of a, a premium feature that, uh, you know, that people are paying to be a part of. Uh, you know, that's a conversation we need to have, uh, but I, I, I will acknowledge that I hear your calls to do something with that. I, I think that would be a lot of fun to play that game, but how exactly we do that, uh, what form that takes uh, is, is sort of a, a larger conversation we need to have. But I, I definitely wanted to at least acknowledge to people that I, I've heard you guys asking about it, and believe me, I want and don't want to play that game uh, just as much as you guys do. Certainly. Um, uh, 
A lot of people asking, okay, here's a good one, because this was a headline I pulled up that I didn't get to. Uh, Kaiser asked, thoughts on the pricing scheme of Killer Instinct, which is, I had it in a headline. I want to say, yeah, characters cost $5 in free-to-play version of Killer Instinct. So it'll be a free download at launch. Uh, it's got a single playable character. Uh, there's a 1999 combo breaker pack that unlocks the full roster of eight characters. And I guess two exclusive fighters that are not officially or initially available for purchase. There's also a $39.99 Ultra Edition, which bundles all the characters, accessories, costume packs, and the original uh, arcade version of Killer Instinct. So um, basically the $40 version of the game is just the whole damn game. That's, yeah, everything uh, with the DLC. It's basically like you're getting the game plus a season pass. And then for 20 for 20 bucks you get all the characters. And then for free, you get... I mean, it's weird. Like, it's a demo that you can then add on piecemeal or pay 20 bucks and get everything up front. Yeah, that's weird. And I, I mean, you know, we've heard all this stuff about the free-to-play version of, of Killer Instinct pretty much since they, they announced that game altogether. I didn't realize that game only had, like, 10 characters in it or whatever with, like, the bonus characters and stuff, which is not really a lot for a fighting game. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't... None of the Killer Instinct characters are really all that memorable to me anyway, so I guess maybe that's not as big of a deal. I, it, it Ultimately, to me, it doesn't really matter. What matters is, is this actually a decent fighting game or not? Because they can throw in as many different pricing methods as they want, but, like, what little I played of it at E3, which was literally, like, five minutes, uh, it seemed all right. But, I, you know, in terms of, like, a fighting game I would want to pay really much of any amount of money for, I'm still kind of unconvinced. So, you know, maybe the free-to-play model is a, good, is a way to get people who, like me, are totally unconvinced to, to get on board at some point. You know, I'll just play that one character and see if I like it, and if I don't, then I won't. You know, it's basically just a demo at that point, right? Yeah, I, I'm definitely... When it comes to free-to-play, I have actually been pretty intrigued by what the, the MOBA scene has, has done. I, I think League of Legends and Dota 2 have what I think are the epitome of making free games that offer a lot of content but that also entice and encourage people to pay for content that they want. You know, So for Dota, all the characters are free, and then you pay for accessories. Uh, and in League right. of Legends, you get a set number of characters that you can play as, and then those rotate to another set. And if you want to pick one as your main, then you purchase that. And then if you... And I think that... I think both of those make a lot of sense. And I think Killer Instinct would be a far more fascinating free-to-play game if it rotated characters. Like, what if every week it switched to another one? So you can only play right. as one, but it would switch to another one. So you could, you know, within a couple of, you know, maybe a month or two, or however they handled it, experience the full breadth of the characters they developed for that game, but you're not going to be able to choose the one you want to play as. And if you want to do that, then you do buy that character, or you pay the 20 bucks for access to everything. And that sounds way more compelling than paying $5 per character or paying 20 bucks for the, the whole suite. Uh, and, you know, at least it's encouraging that they're taking, you know, what is, you know, rightly or wrongly, an anticipated and cherished property. Not in my eyes, but in some people's eyes. Although I will sure. say, I do love Killer Cuts. Sure. Uh, and, and, and rolling the dice with a different business model 
and then otherwise you just figure it's a 20 buck game, right? Like if you want everything, you just pay the 20 bucks and you move on with your life. So I think they could be doing more with it, but I I do think it's interesting that this is the game. This is the game that you should choose to try something like this on, right? Sure. Like Killer Instinct is just interesting enough to outsiders. Just memorable enough, I would say. Yeah, just just re- just remembered enough. Like if you if you were to do this with a Halo or a Gears of War, there would be riots and you would have so much more trouble selling this to people. But Killer Instinct is like, and it's launched, so and like you'll get people on board to give it a shot at least uh, because of those factors. So in that respect, I think it actually is 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 pretty smart and at least interesting. Although I, you know, like I said, I think they could do a little bit more with it. So when Killer Instinct becomes a MOBA, you'll become interested in it. Wow, Dead Dead Island became yeah. a became a MOBA. So who says who says you can't make a MOBA? Um, I say I say you can't make a MOBA. Okay, you're, okay you're right, <laughs> you're right, you're right. If you want to take my phrase at, at face value, you are absolutely correct. Here we go. Uh, Lost archives. This is for you, Alex. Uh, uh-huh. You have not written it yet, but can you provide any thoughts on XCOM The Bureau now that you have spent uh, a little more time with it? So I will have that review today um, because I'm like one mission away from finishing it at this point. Uh, it is a game that starts out very promisingly and has a very gradual downslide of interest from beginning to end that never really peaks or spikes at all. It's just kind of like a straight line that just kind of goes down a little bit. Um, mechanically, like, combat-wise, it does some really neat stuff. The tactic stuff works pretty well. There's a nice array of abilities that each of your different agents can use, uh, that, that it keeps things varied and fresh. The problem is, literally every battle takes place in exactly the same kind of arena environment, where it's like you're walking through a narrow passageway, so you know no one's gonna show up. Then suddenly you're in a bit open area, and you're like, alright, fine cover. Here are all the same types of cover points that we have in every other environment. Let's just, you know, go through the usual motions with the same, like, you know, dozen or so enemy types. Um, And the story just dovetails into rote stupidity, I'd say two-thirds of the way through, and then never really completely recovers from it. So, I don't know. It's, It's okay. I would say it is a very okay game. Um, One that Definitely feels like it was supposed to be something different, and then they scrapped just about everything and turned it into something a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say standard, because it is a little bit different than like a lot of other tactical action games, but it does feel like it's trying to marry a lot of disparate parts and do so at a more hurried pace than its, like, what, seven-year development cycle would certainly suggest. Yeah, I would, so, I would, I would highly recommend, actually... Uh... Polygon, uh, alongside their review, uh, Chris Plant did uh, an exceptional piece of reporting uh, breaking down that that game's uh, very lengthy history. Uh, it's got a really fascinating origin and, in fact, multiple origins as, as yeah. it sort of went through a number of reboots. So uh, it, it's definitely, you know, once Alex's review goes up, that's a pretty pretty great companion piece to get a sense of, like, how do we end up with a game like this? Especially, you know, yeah. given that conversation we had uh, earlier in the week about, you know, sort of, you know, not perfect games and, like, why they're not perfect. You know, it's stuff like that, uh, you know, features yeah. like that that can give you that perspective that actually reading stuff like that makes me want to play the game because I feel it's cool to play a game and then be able to dissect it, 
you know, sort of alongside playing it. So you're playing it for different reasons, right? Like I'm playing, you know, a really good game like Saints Row yeah. 4 because I'm going to have a lot of fun with this, like whatever. Whereas like when I get around to playing the Bureau, it's going to be because I've read about its history and it's just like I got to know more about this. So I may not finish it, but, you know, I, I definitely want to play like four or five hours just to get a sense of like, oh, like this is, yeah. oh, this is this thing. So I think that's and interesting. It's- it's it's too bad because it does start off promisingly like once they kind of introduce the atmosphere and the story and the setting and all that stuff like it it has you know i mean it's it's x-files set in the Mad Men universe you know it's a bunch of you know oh, gruff that's, I, that's you're gonna make me and buy that sounds this game great, right now right? <laughs> that sounds super great but the problem is that it is also tied to this one overarching uh alien invasion storyline that's so all-encompassing that like if it were more, like, I honestly, I feel like that game would be way more interesting if it was about smaller events and, you know, more investigation and, you know, combat in these, like, non-necessarily, like, world-ending scenarios. Hmm. The problem is it's all so apocalyptic so quickly and so intensely that, like, they never really get to develop anyone. It's just, here are these characters, a bunch of them die very quickly, the ones that don't, they don't actually do all that much with... Once they finally get around to sort of explaining some of the significance of certain people, it's just really stupid. And it just doesn't have anything to say or do beyond, like, well, aliens are here, let's kill them. Right. And that's fine to a certain degree, but the gameplay isn't quite good enough or interesting enough to, to sort of hold it up beyond the the scope of the, the kind of stupid story as it goes along. Like, I would totally play a more, like I said, like like just a, a smaller scale version of this game where it's just you and your team going out investigating crazy alien shit throughout the 60s and whatever. But because they turn it into this, like, huge world-ending conspiracy right from the get-go, it's like, it, there's no... There's no there's there's no modulation between any of it. It's like, everything is dire constantly, and none of the characters ever get any real chance to breathe. The, the guy you're playing... Seems like this really interesting, fascinating dude, but in the end, he's basically just, you know, young Clint Eastwood with the Bale Batman voice. Like, he doesn't really have any characteristics beyond that other than a vague sense of tragedy in his life. And the, I, I'm not going to get into the ending, I will just say, it, it, from what I'm, I'm predicting coming up to this last level, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a lot of faith in it, so <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, Kibbles points out, and my heart breaks as I say this because it will never happen. It says L.A. Noir combined with X Files would be the best game, and I agree. So yeah, I agree. That sounds totally. That sounds or if Telltale made an X Files game, uh oh, X Files. Uh, uh, Nail uh, also points out in the chat characters can be earned through playing in League of Legends as well, hundred percent free. So the rotating yeah. characters was my understanding, but that was incorrect. Uh, Appreciate the clarification, Nail. Uh, so why don't also Patrick? Yeah, Patrick. We are not allowed to get Telltale to play or to make other games until they make that Clue adaptation. I've been bugging you're them right, about for like right. two years at this point. Add so to, that add, has to be their next thing. List. Add it to the All list. Right. Um, why don't we close on uh, this question, and then we'll we'll get to our true closer about the the podcast art. Um, right. So Bane one two two asked. Uh, you guys think Bethesda is making a mistake by having a subscription for Elder Scrolls Online. So uh, one of the things that came out of Gamescom this week was that uh, Elder Scrolls Online is going to, uh, I believe, have these sort of standard fourteen ninety nine uh, a month uh, charge uh, to play the game. You know, d- different games come with different uh, 
amounts of time you get out of the box. I think the standard is usually 30 days, and then you then you start paying the monthly subscription. But this is a game that's going to be coming out basically as the subscription model is being largely abandoned. Even Blizzard has said that Project Titan, their, their next MMO, uh, will not use the subscription model. And it sort of seems like at the point that Blizzard, the standard bearer of the subscription model, is abandoning it, that maybe that maybe other people should be too. So I don't know. What do you what do you make of that? It's weird. Like there, for as much as people seem to be moving toward this free to play thing, there is also this weird kind of like scarlet letter attachment to it because I think a lot because so many games have had to resort to it from the subscription model versus you know kind of embracing it wholesale. And you know, in the case of something like Elder Scrolls, I mean. If I'm completely honest, I feel like the mistakes being made with Elder Scrolls Online uh, mostly pertain to the making of Elder Scrolls Online. Like, that game, what little I've seen of it has not really, you know, done a whole lot for me. And the people I know who are, like, hardcore Elder Scrolls fans have pl- who have played it have been sort of like, yeah, I don't really know where they're going with this. Um, so in terms of, like, going to the subscription model, I mean... I, you can only really base that on demand. You have to know what kind of demand you have in front of you and what people are willing to pay. If they think that people are willing to pay $15 a month to play their MMO for, you know, let's say at least 12 months, then, you know, maybe there's some merit in that. Like, especially if they have, like, a free-to-play model kind of on the back burner that, like, they can kind of implement once subscriptions start to disappear, which, I mean, let's face it, every MMO eventually starts to lose subscriptions. Um, But, you know, in terms of this being some horrible mistake, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really know what the deal with that game is overall. And, you know, I can't really sit here and and sit in judgment of what they're doing with their billing processes, even as I sit here completely kind of not really getting their their basic game on any major level. So I, if they want to go subscription, great. You know, maybe also make that game a little bit better before you, you know, do that. Just, Just a thought. My gut reaction to the decision to continue to have a subscription model is the same reason that EA chose to have a subscription model for uh, Star Wars. Or, uh, they're going to have a subscription model up front because there are Skyrim is such a success and the Elder Scrolls name carries enough weight that you will get X amount of players that will buy in up front. So why not get that money up front and then make the pivot to free-to-play once the numbers start to go down? So sure. is that the right call? I have to imagine they've run the numbers. I don't think at this stage of the game you would engage with the subscription model unless you had run the numbers and that made the most sense, like that they have done enough data crunching to, to know that, well, we can retain X. Like, Star Wars seems like the perfect test case for what they're trying to do with this game. So they must have looked at that and said, hey, we can – we can pull that off too, because there are going to be people that pay up front to play a game called Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls Online. Like that's a, that should be awesome, right? Like yeah. you play Skyrim, and like if I could play with other people, that could be great. So, uh, curious to see how that plays out. How long they sort of stretch out the idea that uh, they're going to charge a subscription fee? But I mean, don't don't let them fool you. Twelve months later, if not less, that game will be free to play. Uh, it's Probably. just a, it's just a matter of when that happens. So somewhere in the twelve to eighteen month window is where I would I would put it. I think so too. Um, all right. So as people know, uh, we mm-hmm. uh, last week issued a call for people to uh, 
create some podcast art. And uh, there has been a wonderful thread going in the forums where people have uh, made some really amazing uh, pieces of work uh, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, and we have picked one. Uh, we have we have settled on one. Well, we've settled on two. Yes. And there was a last-minute edition that threw off what was, to us, the clear winner. And so we're I'm going to rotate through them right now. And the chat's kind of, or the, this video is on a pretty significant lag. So we'll go through them, and then maybe we'll answer one more question in the chat, and then we're going to throw up a poll uh, for people to vote on, on which one they want. So... Uh, All right. Theoretically, let's go, let's go through here. Theoretically, let's the screen sharing thing will. Uh, where is it? To be fair, we're experimenting with this. We tried this earlier, and it was it took a minute. So okay, wait. Ba, ba, ba. I gotta get to the beginning. Yes. Okay, I think I got it. Here we. Uh huh. What about that? Did it work? That's. I can see that. Okay, you can see Which it. Is, okay. Yeah. So you can see the art. See, bombing in the AM. Let's say that's maybe not the one. No, no, no. This is the first one. We're going to go through <laughs> all the submissions. Yes. Um, so this is the first one. Oh, I look, you know, we look pretty good in there. You know, I'm not going to... Yeah. Where is your photo from? Uh, that's my official CBS Interactive okay. uh, corporate photo. Right after, so we, right after go. we got acquired. That's right. Okay. Yes. Um, that's from me at my wedding. Uh, bombing in the AM. I don't. What's with the ice cream? Oh, scoops! I got you. I got you. Scoops. Do you see the scoops? Do you get uh, it? I am. Yeah. Oh my Good god! For you. Did you really just do that? Yeah. Did you really just do that? I did that. <laughs> this is a morning show. This is a morning show. That's you know what I just like that. Uh, you know I can't tell if that wolf is saying hello, or if the wolf is tenderlies. Okay. All right. All right. Oh Jesus Christ! I don't like. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We're gonna get fired. Uh, Good. This was an early. You know, I looked at this one and thought, like, this is it. Like, this is. How can we top this one? I mean, I look like a badass. Like, I wouldn't want to see me in an alley, and there is no way that is true in real life. And you, your eyes, you've got like a real sadness behind them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's happened to you, but... It's deep. It's a deep sadness. And I will say, didn't notice it up front, but the uh, Chicago skyline and the New York skyline, really, really nice touch. Really, Very important. Really nice Very touch. important stuff to have in there. So that is that is well done. I like this one. It's, it's simple. It's got, a little it's, clock. Right. it's got a little clock on the background. I like the headphones. You know, I do wear those Astro A40s. They're probably a little much for something like this, but I like them. And this just, uh, you know... This is all right. Simple. <laughs> Just cut right to the core of it. Cut right to the core of it. This one is, man, I don't even. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well done. Oh, well done, sir. All right. I mean, yeah. I like that interpretation of me. You've got. You, it is your, horrifying. Your this eye, is horrifying. Your eyes are just. Ugh, I don't know what I'm going to use this uh, for, but this will be this will get used elsewhere. Yeah. Um, okay, and this one, this was a real late. Uh, God, that's the one I like. God damn it! God damn it! Um, 
this was the last submission. We This wasn't even going to be in the lineup we were talking about. And I thought, well, I should look at the thread one more time. Uh, and this was a, a very late uh, addition. Um, but, man, that caricature of me is something else. And then you are just the saddest little wolf. You were just the Look saddest. at my eyes. They got the bulging eyes in there so perfectly. Oh, oh. That's, that's, that's good. So there's this, and then this was this was going to be sort of the one we settled on, which is why it's at the, the end of this list here. I mean, just it got the, the little patch on the actual wolf, which is a nice touch. And I've got that sweet hat that doesn't quite look like a fedora, so I'm not a total asshole. Um, but so these are our, these are our two. So the two that I'm swapping between are the, are the ones that I think I like, I like the, the last minute one. I think that was the one that, that really did it for me. The, I think the the sheer detail of the art is what makes it's really something, it's really something else. Also, I just don't like you in the hat. The hat is bothersome to me. I, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And then the cartoonish one is. If you, it is, I feel like, maybe a little more in line with the ridiculous nature of the title of this podcast. Yes. Show. It is so stupid. It is the right kind of stupid for this. So should we just not even do a poll? Should we just... you see? Ah, uh, let's throw the poll up and just see what happens. Just, okay. I mean, I think I know which one is going to win. So, uh, let's see. Uh, we'll call this uh, Cartoon and Fedora. Cartoon and Fedora, yes. So, Cartoon, if you want this one. Fedora, if you want this one. God damn it, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) What even is that? Is that that Google effects? Yeah, it's just using the shitty Google effects stuff. I'm not even, yeah. (laughs) It's not even anything good. Oh, someone already, I, I I think Rory did a poll in the chat. Yeah, he did. All right. So is that wait? Winner is red. What does red mean? I have no idea. I think th- I think. Oh, I think one. I think one fifty-two. Yeah. I think, I think one. I think that one. I think that one. Well, thanks. To, I oh, think, everyone I, really wants that skyline one, apparently. Well, you know with what? Me with the ears. I don't. Why I don't. Really do this? I don't like me with ears. I, I don't like it. We have a couple of really great entries. I think those three are are absolutely our top entries. You know what? Why we don't have to choose one? We can rotate between them, and maybe, we could. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll maybe. How about let's say every once in a while we will every couple of months or so we will we'll switch between that art. So everyone is a winner. But I. I want to die. <laughs> I want to die. Why? Uh, but this is exactly what we talked about when we we conceptualized this show. You're right. You're right. Where's the river of tears? It's just graphic sound. Can I? I don't know. How, how do I put a funny hat? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna open this. I'm, what am I doing? I'm not clicking that. Uh, so the signed Jurassic Park. Look at that wrapped. That is wow. fresh fresh so i will i will sign that and that will go to oh man i should probably pull up, i should pull up the thread uh give me one second so i can announce the use oh jeez god damn it <laughs> <laughs> son of a 
bitch. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if that laughing was you or if that was a sound effect. That was me. Okay. No, no, no. This is. That's 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 this thing laughing. Just so you know. Very sexy potato. Uh, you are the winner. So I will sign this. Uh, if you were watching this, send me a PM on the site. If not, I will reach out to you, uh, and uh, I will I will sign this, and I will I will send this out post haste. Uh, but that is our winner, and you know maybe we'll see if we can rotate the others. But um, the people have decided, and Alex, you decided as well. So yes, two to one, I lose. We need to end this show <laughs> as soon as humanly possible. Uh, well, I thank everyone for for tuning in uh, yet again. Uh, sounds like there were some audio sync issues that uh, were only remedied if you were watching in 720p. I don't know what that means. Um, so apologies, but the version that goes up on the site uh, won't have those issues. Worst case, I will fix them in uh, Adobe Premiere before it goes up. And then there will also be the podcast that goes up as well uh, that has the higher quality audio. But um, I don't know if we'll have it on Monday. I don't know how regular it's going to be, but uh, we are definitely going to try and have some guests on more often. And I think we'll try and have the guests on on Mondays when, you know, we can't guarantee that there's a whole lot that happened over the weekend. Right. Um, so Usually there's not. So Yeah, if people have suggestions, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. Um, and, but we'll start thinking about that and try and book in some folks uh, going forward. But yeah, in that case, we have our winner. The weekend is almost here. Uh, just, what do you What do you work on this weekend uh, for for next week? Madden, got to play a whole bunch of Madden, and then somewhere in there, I gotta try and you know hopefully fit in some actual games I want to play, like Saints Row and Gone Home and all that stuff. So I'll 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 do what I can where I can when I can, but I'm gonna be playing a whole lot of Madden this weekend. Well, the ni- the nice part is is once you kind of get that out of the way, we're there's not a whole lot coming out in between now and Grand Theft Auto. So there's sort of a two-week yes. period where it's like, all right, can I beat Saints Row? Can I maybe check out Splinter Cell? Which seems to be the game that got went completely ignored this week. You know what is? You know what is coming out uh, before? Uh, 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 Lost Planet 3. No. That is coming out We're, next week, though. That is coming out next week, but that wasn't what I was talking about. Okay. In two weeks. Rayman oh. Legends. Fuck, Really? Yes. Ooh. Oh, and Outlast. Very end of August. Outlast comes out next week, too, which is a... Oh, shit! A horror game that uh, got a lot of attention at three, E3 for being a PS4 game, but the PC version uh, comes out uh, next week, and I, I may actually have a code in my inbox uh, at some point today, so... Uh, shit, maybe there is way more... Damn it, there's way more coming out than I thought. Maybe there's a period of... Maybe nothing comes out after Grand Theft Auto, but, oh, I'm sure that's a really short game. I'm sure that's not 45 hours that gets really tiring about 20, 20 hours in. That was, no, not at all. That was unnecessarily snarky. I'm probably going to really enjoy that game. But I just wish yes. Grand Theft Auto, I just wish Rockstar stories were half the length that they are. Uh, but in any case, uh, if you notice on the front page of the site, uh, there is a teaser for the BioForge interview. Uh, Ken Demarest, uh, the designer, director, producer, programmer, he was had all sorts of hats. Uh, on that game uh we had a good long chat uh the podcast is ready to go on monday morning i transcribed our interview that's that entire interview which is just going to be the whole thing i was going to kind of do a story like i normally do but i think for bioforge uh, you guys should should hear everything we talked about so that'll go up on, on monday as well uh and then pax happens which you yeah. are going to be you are going to be there Yes, as as are you. So we will both be there. So yeah, we will we will do a Monday show, but we will not do a Friday show. Uh, and then I suspect we will not do a Monday show 
after that because we should be able to enjoy our day off. Uh, but, I agree. But let's let's say we'll do one on Tuesday. Maybe, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll we'll find we'll find somewhere early in that week to to do something. Yeah. So uh, yeah. With and that, if you uh, if if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, uh, there is an interview on a couple interviews on the site uh, regarding wrestling. Uh, both with Corey Ledesma, who's the head dude from uh, 2K on that game, and also with a bunch of wrestlers. I put a bunch of wrestlers on the website that I talked to, including Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, and Daniel Bryan. Uh, you should listen to those if you can. I, I never to, you know. thought that I would want to go subscribe to a uh, Steve Austin podcast. He's really good. <laughs> He's really good at it. I was surprised. Yeah. Very strange. Uh, yeah. In any case, we'll leave it there. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And, uh, Alex, I will talk to you and then see you next week. Oh! God damn it.